Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Hi, I'm Billy Blanks, coming to you guys with a brand new Tybo Advanced Workout. Are you guys ready to shine today? Are y'all ready to go? Come on, y'all do some spirit. To everybody up. You're all just sitting back there in those nice soft padded chairs going, yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> Typically, we hear the word health, physical health, exercise, energy, and that's the kind of picture that comes to mind. Someone's in your face, driving you, pushing you, jumping all over you, pushing, you know, just, and you say to yourself, I'm too tired. Don't bother me. I don't have the time for that kind of nonsense. Someday, someday maybe, I know, I know I need to take care of my health. Someday I will when things settle down. And that might be the number one lie that we tell ourselves when it comes to this whole idea of margin, which is what we've been talking about for this last month, how God wants to lead us into a path and a lifestyle of margin, that we're not living at the limits all the time. And the number one lie, I think, in this whole series we've been talking about, desperate house lies, I think this is the one that just kind of takes care of all of them, because it's that lie that we keep telling ourselves, someday, someday when things settle down. Someday I'll get my finances in order when things settle down. Someday, someday I'll get into exercising physical fitness, but not now, I'm too busy. I'll do it when things settle down. Someday, someday I'll spend more time with my family. Someday I'll get my my whole career right in order and proper perspective. Someday I'll do that when things settle down. Meanwhile, culture keeps pushing us. To make more, get more, do more, spend more, run faster, work harder, keep pushing the limits. And all of that, God gets squeezed out. And our relationships get squeezed out and marginalized. And we just keep telling ourselves, someday, someday I'll take care of that when things settle down. And all the while, that lack of margin in our life takes its toll. And we find ourselves emotionally spent, relationally skimming along superficially in our relationships, spiritually dry, and physically exhausted. Because we keep telling ourselves, someday things will settle down. And they never do. That day never comes. This whole series, we've been talking about margin, and there's two premises to this whole thing is, number one, God created us with limits for our own good. And number two, He prescribed a life of margin so that we would not press those limits, so that we would have reserves when we really need them. But if we keep living at this lifestyle and pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves emotionally, pushing ourselves relationally, pushing ourselves at work, pushing ourselves physically, all of these ways, if we just keep pushing ourselves at the limits, we will run out of margin, we will run out of our resources. And then when we really need it, we won't have it to draw on. So what I want to do as we wrap up this series this morning is talk a little bit about physical health. 
because this too is important. And this is a part of margin. And we're going to talk this morning a little bit on just three very straightforward, biblically wise and sound practical steps that you can develop and establish and restore physical margin in your life. And it's an important part of how God made you. So the first thing is this. Just simply adjust your pace of life. Adjust your pace. By the way, adjust your pace of life downward. Okay? That's implied in this whole thing. Our culture suffers from what was described by um, Meyer Friedman back in the 1950s as hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. And it infects every one of us. Solomon, thousands of years ahead of time, described it this way. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Ecclesiastes 2, 11. I surveyed all my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He uses that phrase nine times in six chapters of his writings in the book of Ecclesiastes. Chasing after the wind, chasing after the wind. And here we are thousands of years later and we are still chasing And if anything, we have just picked up the pace of the chase. Because we keep telling ourselves, just a little bit faster and then I'll catch it. But chasing after the wind, it never gets caught. It never gets caught. It leads to a life of elusive pursuit, exhaustion, emptiness, meaninglessness, lack of fulfillment, and we never achieve what we're chasing after. Now, I realize that we have raised this issue a lot of times during this whole series. In fact, I talk about this often around here because it's, it's absolutely vital. If you do not do this one thing, if you do not adjust the pace of your life, nothing else we talk about really is going to matter. You can come here every Sunday and listen to really nice sermons, well-prepared sermons, ex- expertly executed sermons. <laughs> and it won't do you a bit of good because you know what will happen? Every one of those things, you will sit there and you'll say, I need to do that. And we put it on our list of to-do things that never get done. If you do not adjust the pace of your life, honestly, folks, nothing else we talk about is ever going to happen in your life because the things that we talk about around here happen in the margins. This is really a heart issue. Not just your physical heart. It's about your attitude towards life. And all of these things that we just keep putting on our to-do list and never get done. They have their impact. They have their impact on us in every area of our life. And they have their impact on us, by the way, physically. This whole hurry sickness, this whole pace of life and, and the stress involved... There are actual physical things that we have found, doctors have found, that are, are, are connected to the pace of our life. Let me just give you a short list. Some of the physiological impacts of stress and hurry sickness in our life. Rapid pulse, heart palpitations, increased blood pressure, hyperacidity ulcers, irritable bowel syndrome, tightening of the muscles, headaches, weight change, compromise of the immune system, unexplained fatigue, rashes, itching, and insomnia, shortness of breath. You want me to go on? That's the short list. Every one of those things are tied to the pace of our life. And if you don't address these things... It will never change. Now, in contrast to that elusive pursuit that Solomon talks about, listen to these words. David, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. 
My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Find rest in God. He will lead you to a place of rest. And instead of chasing after the wind, you will have a rock, he says. Rock of my salvation. Notice, by the way, he's talking to himself here. And this is really an important point. This takes constant monitoring, constant self-talk. Find rest, O my soul. Find rest, O my soul. Find rest in God alone, O my soul. See, Solomon found some real insight when he talks about chasing after the wind. You find out a little bit more about it in chapter 3. He says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. See, what he's saying there is deep down inside, every one of us knows, we know the truth. We know we shouldn't be running at this pace. We know that this is an elusive dream. We know that this is chasing after the wind, but we keep doing it. And deep down inside, deep down inside, we know better. We know better because God has placed in us eternity. We know what we are striving for and what we are pushing for and what we are running after in this world will not last. We know that down deep inside if we will take the time to rest and recognize it. Very simple. I can prove that my point right now. If any one of you, if every one of us in this room got from the doctor a prognosis that said you have one month to live, it won't be a painful death, but one month from today you will be dead. Would you adjust your living? Would you change the pace of your life one bit? Would you change your priorities? Would you do things differently? Would you live life differently? If you knew that you only had 30 days left on this earth, Would you do anything differently? Chances are, yeah. Scripture tells us we're not even promised our very next breath. See, deep down inside, we know better. We know there is something on the other side. We know there is an eternity that is far more important, far more valuable, far more worthy of our dream and far more worthy of our pursuit. He says everything God does will endure forever. So making an adjustment to the the pace of your life simply means this. Make time for what matters most. Make time for what matters most. If we know down deep inside what really matters, then let's give that the time and let go of some of the other stuff. What is it that lasts forever? 1 Corinthians 13, 13. These three remain faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. The Old Testament says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Paul wrote in the Corinthians, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Now, what should we be spending our time on? The most important thing. We put His kingdom first we grow in his love first we love our neighbors first have you ever gotten up on a cold winter morning gotten in your car and tried to start the car and it's slow 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 getting and then you finally get it started what's the first thing you do you rev the engine that is the worst thing you could possibly do for your engine on a cold morning just so you know it is 
Because the oil of the engine is still down in the crankcase. It's not up in the... And you're just, you're, you know, you're just wearing down your engine that way. But that's the way we spend most of our life, revving our engines. Like a cold... And we think, well, if I just press, press down the gas pedal harder and make it sound louder, then, I'm, then it's really started. And that's how we live our lives. Richard Swenson, in his book on margin, talks about this. He says, learn to downshift. Think about it this way. Your life has different gears. Idle or park, that's God time. That's reflective time. It's time to think about what really matters. And, and when you start your car on a cold winter morning, that's the best thing you can do is let it idle for a while. In your life, the pace of your life, start idling every morning. Some of you are saying, that's what I do. It takes me like three hours to get out of bed. Okay. Idle means time with God. If, if you would just, you could change the pace of your life. I, I, I don't know how this works, but I honestly, I can tell you. If you will start the first 15 minutes, first half hour of your day in time with God, the rest of your day will go much better. I know it doesn't sound like it because I know you've got way too many things to do and you don't have time for that, but I tell you what, if you will do that for the first 15, 20 minutes, half hour of, of every day, and, and I know this, I know this because every time I do it, it works, and when I don't, I feel it the rest of the day. When I miss that first day, that first time with God in the morning, it just, it, the rest of my day just goes crazy. Idle first. The time with God. Then low gear is for relationships. That's time with the people that you love. And you can't do that at a fast pace. And drive, drive is the gear for work and play. That's for normal life. And then there's a gear called overdrive. Okay, that's for emergencies. That's, for, that's when extra effort is needed. That's when extra resources are needed. And when you establish margin in your life, you have overdrive. If you are driving at overdrive in the pace of your life, you've got nowhere to go. You're redlining. Just adjust the pace of your life. I, you know, and I, again, I, I know that I have talked about this a lot. But I'm telling you folks, if you don't do that one, nothing else is going to work. Adjust the pace of your life. Downshift. Carve out time for God. Then, another thing you can do, very practical, adopt better nutritional habits. Just better nutrition. You see, our pace of life has influenced our diet. Our pace of life has impacted our eating problems. And now we have a whole new genre of food. It's a recent genre of food. It is not described by its quality or its taste, or its many multiple flavors, it is described by one word. What is it? Fast. Fast food. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, try ordering a pizza for delivery on a Friday night. I know, because both of my kids worked for a round table when they were growing up. And Friday nights, they would get slammed. And they would just take people. They'd say, Can you hold, please? And then they never pick the phone back up. That ever happened to you? That's why, okay? And you go out and you see... Delivery, pizza delivery truck, all over. They're running around the city, all over the place. The average American eats 2.3 meals per week fast food. And fast food accounts for one-third of our total calorie intake. One-third. A lot of calories there. And that is not how God designed food to be eaten. Ecclesiastes, you didn't know this was in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 9.7 Eat your food with joy 
drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. What he is saying is, savor it. Enjoy it. Sit down and taste it. Chew. Just chew. I think most of us could improve our nutrition by just simply sitting down to eat at home. Just a home-cooked meal. Now, enjoy it, he says, but don't overindulge, okay? For those of you who really want to enjoy your wine with a happy heart, he says, (laughs) do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat. Okay, Proverbs 23, that's also in the Bible, so, you you know, they got to balance each other out. Yeah, enjoy it. Don't overindulge, but enjoy it. Look at this next one. Proverbs 25, 16. Have you found honey? This, it, the Bible endorses candy. Sweets. Have you found honey? Eat only what you need. Now, wh- how much do you need? Or you will become filled with it and spit it up. Actually, King James Version says you'll vomit it. It's moderation. Enjoy. Enjoy it well. But do it with moderation. Just don't overindulge. The human body was designed by God and it is incredibly complex. Incredibly complex. We are told, science estimate, there's somewhere between 10 to 50 trillion cells in a normal adult human body. 10 to 50 trillion. I don't know. You know, that's a big margin. And every one of those cells is fueled by the food you eat. Every one of them. And those cells are constantly replacing themselves. Old cells die, new ones are replaced and replenishing the body. In fact, every five years, you become a whole different person. You are not the person you once were. Truthfully, every five years. And God expects for you to care for your body. He does. It's part of His creation. And your job is to feed it, to water it, to rest it, and to move it once in a while. That's your job. This is what Jesus, at the, at the creation, at the very creation, God said this to Adam and Eve. I have provided all kinds of fruit and grain for you to eat. And I have given the green plants as food for everything else that breathes. He says, I designed this for you. To fuel your body. To enjoy good health. Now, you don't have to be a vegetarian. I know he talks about fruits and grains and green plants, okay? You don't have to be a vegetarian. But eat a vegetable every once in a while. And it doesn't have to be Brussels sprouts, okay? Find one that you like. If you only can find one vegetable you like, eat it. But fuel your body with the proper fuel. Eat to fuel your body, not just to fill it. Practice good nutrition. Some very simple steps you can take that can help you in this area. Just avoid overeating. Get smaller portions. Use a smaller plate. Finish chewing and swallowing your food before taking the next bite. In fact, before preparing the next bite. Put your fork down between bites. Just slow down the pace of your eating. As a general rule, from the farm is better than from the factory. Okay, just a general rule of thumb there. Pre-processed, pre-packaged foods is just loaded with extra sodium and sugar and all kinds of stuff your body doesn't really need. Eat at home. Sit down at the table, not in front of the TV. 
These are simple things. You don't have to go out and you know, go on some crash diet. Just, just adjust your pattern and practice good nutrition. It is part of what God has given you to do. You are required to take good care of his creation. And part of that is your body. So adopt better nutritional habits. And here's the last thing you can do. Engage in some form of physical activity. Some form of, of physical activity. You gain reserves. This is true. You actually gain reserves by exerting physical energy. In fact, the less you exercise, the less energy you will have. I know that doesn't sound right. You think, well, if I rest more, then I'll have more energy. No, you won't. The more you exercise, the more energy reserves you will have. The more you rest, the less you will have. Proverbs 26, 14. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in his bed. The New International Version puts it this way. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard. That's the word. That's the operative word. Sluggard. You know, he says, never quite makes it out of bed. Here I go. Here I'm getting up. I'm getting up. I'm getting up. Oh, this feels so good. Back and forth, turning like, you know, man, I wish I could break free of this bed. I want to get up. I'm going to go someday. Yeah, oh, man, too tired. And the sluggard specializes in excuses for not doing what he knows he ought to do. Look at this next verse. Proverbs 22, 13. The sluggard said, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. We have a real lion problem around here. You know, I would start exercising, but you know, you you never know where those lions are going to come from, you know. Sluggard always has excuses. Always has excuses. They will never outright say, no, I'm not going to do that. They'll just have a reason why they can't today. Too busy. Don't have time. It's too expensive to join a gym membership. I don't have the right shoes. I don't have the right shorts. I don't have the right bike. I don't have the right helmet. I don't have... So someday, someday when things settle down, I know I need to do this. I know it, I, and, I, and I will, I will. When is, the, when is the... What is the number one day that people start their exercise program? Tomorrow. Yeah, Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Proverbs 26, 16. Sluggards are wiser in their own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. In other words, we all suffer from what you might call selective sluggardism. Because <laughs> we can all say but I'm doing so well in this area and this area and this area of my life. Give me a break. I'm so busy in my professional life that, that I really don't have time for the exercise. I, I'm, I'm so busy pursuing my finances and building up my bank account and, and that my, my retirement account that I don't have time. We're always wiser in our own eyes with our excuses. They always make sense to us, even the lion excuses. We're wise in our own eyes, but what we're really suffering from is selective sluggardism. So let me give you some very practical, simple suggestions in this one. Pick an activity you enjoy. Just pick something you like to do. You must be able to do something that you enjoy. 
I am not a jogger. I hate to run. My wife, we are, we are on the same page on this one. The only time you should run is when somebody's chasing you with a machete. That's, you know, that's the only reason to run. I do not like jogging. I do not like running. But I love sailing. <laughs> and my wife loves to dance. And for, what, 10, 11 years now, every Wednesday night, she has a ballet class. She will never get up in front of an audience and perform. But she goes there for the exercise. She loves that. I love sailing. When our kids played soccer, I love soccer. I'd get out there and play with them. I should do more of that someday when things settle down. (laughs) But here's the point. It doesn't have to be something that's a drudgery to you. Find an activity that you enjoy and then do it. Just do something. We live such a sedentary lifestyle. So find something you enjoy and get out and do that. When you can, walk instead of driving. And you can walk. I heard a definition the other day of a car. Car is an easy chair on wheels. We don't even crank our own windows down anymore. We push a button. Every, you know, we, just, we drive through. We get our foot. We just, you know, it's an easy chair on wheels. It takes us where we want to go. Walk instead of driving. When you drive, park in the furthest parking stall. On Sunday mornings, leave the best spots for the sluggards. Yeah. Oh, now we'll know. Now we'll know. The true sluggards will show up. Dr. Richard Swenson, in his book, talks about this. He says, exercise for your heart. Do something that gets your heart pumping. Exercise for muscle strength. Not bulking up, you know, six-pack abs kind of a thing, but just for muscle strength. And then exercise for flexibility. Just keep your body moving you know there is nowhere in scripture that talks about your spiritual life nowhere there is no such thing as a spiritual life there is life and it is all body soul and spirit that's what the bible talks about and your physical health is an important aspect of this idea of margin. When you establish margin in your physical life, you have more energy reserves, you have more time for God, you have more time for relationships. If you will just put these three steps into place, and you will live healthier, and longer, and better, if you will just do life the way God designed it to be lived. Scripture talks about a unity and a wholeness of the person. When we are told to love the Lord our God, it's with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. Physical strength. It's a wholehearted, unified life. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You were bought with the price. The dear shed blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's not talking about spiritual life. The way that we, this is, 
See, this, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How would you treat God's dwelling place? I think so often as Christians, we talk so much about growing our spiritual life and being spiritually whole and spiritually healthy, and we neglect what God says is a very, very important part of who you are. Therefore, honor God with your body. Let God lead you into margin. Enjoy life. Trust Him. Rest in Him. And let Him lead you into this life of margin. A couple of weeks ago, we read this verse, and I would like us to read it together again this morning. It's on your outline. I think we've got it up for the screen. Do we? Psalm 90.12. Do we have it? There it is. I would like us to read this out loud together. All right? Would you read, read this out loud together with me? Teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Again, because I want you to memorize this. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. David said, Lord, teach me to live with purpose. Teach me to live with focus and with meaning. Teach me to live with orderliness and margin. Teach me to number my days aright so that I might gain a heart of wisdom. And here's what I would like you to do. This is your homework this week. Every morning, if you would this week, every morning when you get out of bed, the very first thought, or as soon as your brain is working and you can get a thought, let it be this one and make it your prayer. Lord, today, teach me to order my day aright that I might gain a heart of wisdom. And, and if you would do that, just every day this week when you get up, your first prayer, your first thought towards God, Lord, teach me to order my day today aright that I might gain a heart of wisdom. This whole series, we've talked about God-centered, margin-defined way of living. And it means trusting God with all of my life. And getting rid of all of those living-on-the-edge kind of parts of my life and resting in Him. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, will you trust your Creator? Will you trust your Heavenly Father who cares about you? Will you trust your gracious Lord Jesus who gave Himself up for you? Will you trust Him? in every area of your life. Would you bow your heads with me? I really do believe that very often in Christian circles, our physical well-being is the last thing we think about. And I'll be honest with you, I pretty much grew up in church. I don't think I heard very many sermons about this kind of stuff. But it really does matter to God. How can you love Him with all your strength if you're not taking care of your body? He says, trust me with every aspect of your life. Trust me with your finances. Trust me with your relationships. Trust me with your career and your profession. Trust me with your health. Trust me with all of your being. And let me lead you 
to life as it was intended. Maybe today it's a first step for you. You say, you know, I've just been kind of doing it my own way, living my own life. And, and something that was said this morning, it may not even been the topic we were talking about. Some, God's talking to you about an area of your life. He's saying, will you let go of this? I will lead you, and I will help you with this. But you've got to take a first step toward me. I want to invite you to take that step this morning. You say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring about every aspect of my being. I entrust it all to you. Lead me in your ways. Teach me to number my day aright. That I might live with a heart of wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for your great love and your gracious care and your loving creation so tenderly formed and shaped and put together our bodies that we might honor you. It's an area that we neglect often. Lord, today we recognize this too matters to you. And we bring our whole selves before you. And we pray together as a church, Lord, teach us to number our days aright that we might live with a heart of wisdom. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.